Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome another Thursday night. That means it's date night. Tracy, how many weeks have we been doing this now? Four, maybe? Four or five? Four weeks online. We've been doing date nights for as long as we've been married, even before we actually went on dates before we got married, which I think is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Nothing but marital bliss over here. Now, tonight we're talking about boundaries in marriage, but this is going to be fun because as we said last week, we were going to try to double date tonight. Yep. And uh, we figured, we think we figured it out, the technology behind it all. We've invited <laughs> Zach and Heather Johnson to join us. So Zach, Heather, thank you for figuring out the, the technology on your end. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into the topic? Yeah, well, my name is Zach and this is Heather, my wife. We've been married... Three almost, years? Almost three years. Yeah, it's been three years. Yeah. We've been married three years now. We Zach, have math a... Is, math is hard. We recognize <laughs> that Zach, math is hard. I got you. I stopped doing math when work stops in the evenings. <laughs> but uh, we've been married We've been married almost three years now. We have a 13 year, or 16-year-old daughter um, who was 13 when we got married. Mm -hmm. And Heather is actually pregnant uh, with our second, and she is seven months pregnant. So with we a little so boy. Excited. Yeah, that's yeah. really exciting. And I was there at your wedding. Uh, we both were actually, you were gracious to invite Tracy as well. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been awesome to watch you guys and your family grow. We're so mm -hmm. excited for your new one on the way. So tonight's topic, Tracy, is going to be good because Zach and Heather can kind of represent this topic of setting boundaries in parenting from the vantage point of having an, a little one on the way. So we can talk about sure. young boundaries. Yeah. Uh, having a teenager, we of course have a teenager still at home, but they can also represent some of the blended family stuff. Right. So before we get into some of the topics and questions, and again, couples at home watching this, remember, use those questions down below um, and uh, and talk about this on your own. Maybe not maybe not right now during the live stream, but as soon as this is over, the whole point here is we're we're sparking a conversation and and helping you grow your marriage. So. Tracy, before we get into any of that stuff, what are we what are we talking about when we're talking about boundaries in parenting? Is this like a social distancing thing? Or? No, we're going to talk <laughs> about the importance of boundaries as that internal mechanism that as we're training our kids, as we're using discipline and structure, that we're teaching them the safety lines they should have around their life, their boundaries to know who they are, to know who other people are, to know how they should act, how they should allow other people to treat them, um, issues of respect and safety and all of that. So boundaries and parenting is about parents teaching their kids these boundaries, teaching them those internal mechanisms so that eventually, and we're getting close with a couple of them, they can launch from our home and be independent, healthy adults. Mm -hmm. So let's start with this question. And since we're on a double date, and we've we've done this with Zach and Heather over dinner back mm -hmm. in the day when we could actually go to restaurants. And I know. Dinner. What was that like? I know. Huh. But we and so this is this is good. This feels like we're sitting here sharing a meal together, guys. Which one of you is better at setting boundaries? Not even in parenting, but just in general, which one of you is better at setting boundaries? Definitely Zach. <laughs> Definitely, Zach. <laughs> Would you agree? Yeah, I, I feel like I have uh, a better ability to set to set boundaries. Um, I think maybe that's the way that I was raised, um, and in the way that I was raised to be independent. But yeah, we definitely set boundaries in a different way as as parents, for sure. 
Now, Tracy, if we were to ask that of ourselves, what would you say? I think I know the answer to this. It's pretty Well, obvious. I'd be interested to hear your answer. She is definitely better at setting boundaries. So an example of me not setting boundaries is I'm the guy that would be like, you know, a buddy's a buddy's stopping through, you know, town. And I'm like, hey, yeah, come on over and I'll forget to tell her. Um, or I'll say, yeah, you can stay with us and I'll forget to tell her. Uh, things like that. So mm -hmm. those are examples in yeah. everyday life of like not really good. I, I was never, man, this is good for you to to be aware of. Like I was never really... I wasn't always really sure where I stopped and where someone else began mm -hmm. or where someone else stopped and where I began. And the reason this is so important, obviously, is if moms and dads, if you if you don't understand what a boundary is and how to set a healthy boundary for yourself, then there's no way you're going to set a healthy boundary for your mm -hmm. for your kids. And then I think that's where sometimes really bad things can happen, right? When you when you don't know how to set good. Oh boundaries yeah, that's when you get in unhealthy relationships. Yeah. And but I would say on that point too, that there are times that I am a little bit too permissive. Like I'll have set a boundary with my kids or mm -hmm. like a rule, and then I'll want to give in that. Whereas I feel like sometimes you'll step in and be like, "Well, wait a second. There's a bigger lesson here. If we let them get away with that, then we're not teaching them." The principle we're trying to teach them. Mm -hmm. So I'm not always good at boundaries, I wouldn't say. Okay, so let's let's talk about teenage kids for a second. Zach and Heather, uh, share about... Heather, this might be more for you. Have you had to set some boundaries with your daughter for, let's say, let's start with friendships? Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and quite honestly, prior to getting married... Uh, that's why I said that Zach is a lot better at setting boundaries. Being a single mom for 13 years, I, I, Madison would call me a helicopter mom, you know, so I wanted to just coddle her and protect her from everything, from hurt with friendships and school and failure and sports and you name it. Um, I wanted to have a very controlled, tight-knit environment um, to make it, to, to give her the best life possible which really I think in turn was detrimental to her because she hasn't learned to set boundaries until she was, you know, 13. Mm -hmm. And so to answer your question with friends, um, it's setting boundaries of, you know, what she believes, what's right, what's wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and again, rather than me telling her in my little controlled environment and being a helicopter mom, it's empowering her uh, to make those decisions. Um, and now as she's older, um, even in a relationship with, with a boy. Yep. So it's, it's been yep. an interesting That's, process. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll get to that one. I, I want to ask Zach <laughs> about boys and his teenage daughter. But before we get to that, one of the things you mentioned, Heather, was, um, was just about what the way we call it is transferring ownership. If you watch this topic later on, couples, um, we encourage you to do that. We, we define parenting as, as a transfer of ownership over the course of their lives. Well, at least mm -hmm. over the course of their, their childhood, mm -hmm. that eventually you're going to transfer ownership completely to them. So you're helping them set boundaries along the way. But at some point, they're going to be out and off to college or off into their careers. And then you really can't set boundaries for them anymore. Right. And so Tracy, maybe you can speak to that because this is an example with friends when our, when our kids, especially were little, I think you were a lot better about being thoughtful about the friends that they had. Um, and I just was pretty oblivious to it. So there are probably some parents out there, maybe with younger kids at home, you know, grade school kids or even junior high kids 
who are saying, wait, we should be, we should be setting boundaries for our, for our kids and their friend groups. What would you say to that? Well, yeah. And even like in the age of social media, that's been another area where we have to teach our kids like to think about, it's not just posting a picture or putting some comment Mm -hmm. out there because in that moment, that's what you felt like saying or doing. It's like, that's out there. And that's a picture of who you are, that future people, future employers, you know, colleges, people can see that and then draw conclusions about you. But even for my daughter who's in college, so we've kind of experienced a, a semi-launch of, of one child where... But she's back. But during she's the back. quarantine, she's back. We yeah. couldn't shake her. We couldn't shake her. Um, but, you know, like I, we've had to watch her grow and have friendships and be experiencing a more independent Mm -hmm. life. And she's not coming to us anymore asking our opinion, or I can't say you can't do that or no, I have to trust that the boundaries and the ownership that we involved her in over time as she was in Mm -hmm. our home to say, okay, well think about this. What are the possible dangers of doing that? And kind of empowering her to realize these are decisions that you're going to have to make on your own when mom and dad aren't around anymore. Yeah, but in a, but to that point, even even along the way, we've had to be, we've had to help her take ownership and discover some of these values for herself, rather than just as a nineteen year old or even as a seventeen year old a couple of years ago, just make the decision for her and say, nope, you can't do that, and mm-hmm. I've made the decision. You kind of have to, I think, right? You have to in parenting. I think it's a little bit more of an art. Yeah. I mean, along the way, certainly. I mean, there are times where I think you need to lay down the law. But there are other times where you need to say, well, what do you think? And what would you tell your kids when you're the parent? Mm-hmm. And somehow try to get them to take ownership for the choices that they're making. Because obviously, maybe the other spouse is the one that says, yeah, okay. And I get defensive. And then it kind of becomes a probably a vicious cycle for a lot of couples. Right. And, and then, Tracy, the last thing then on the defensive side is probably defensiveness then eventually gives way over time to stonewalling. What's a stonewall? Right. So, so maybe that's you guys in your, your marriage that describes like one or both of you just put up a wall and you just kind of refuse to engage. You know, maybe it's on one particular topic in your marriage that you just fight about all the time. Maybe it's money, maybe it's in-laws and you just never make any room. And so maybe one of your spouse, the one spouse is like, I just, I won't even engage or talk to you about it. I'm just going to shut you out and we're going to get nowhere. So again, that is not productive for a healthy marriage. If we start stonewalling or refusing to engage on certain issues, then we're never going to resolve them and they'll just keep coming around and around and around. Okay. So, so let's say a couples are out there wrestling with this, by the way, happy date night, everybody. What a, <laughs> what a great thing to talk about on a date night to re, we're really poking the, the hornet's nest now, but it's worth it. It's worth if I think it's worth it to have language for some of this. Cause a lot of couples yep. that we work with Tracy, for them, they're like, man, it's just even helpful to have this language. Just even last night, we were working with a premarital couple, and and they've already they already see this in their relationship. They're not even married yet, so they're getting tools for talking about this, which is going to be so helpful for them in the future. Right. Right. So for couples who are who are out there listening to this, getting a little panicky, like, oh my gosh, like this is exactly what we're dealing with, and I don't see any, I don't see any end in sight. I don't, I I can't even imagine that we're going to get better at this. Or that we're going to get over this because we're pretty bad at some of this. So what I would say to you is just hold hold on there because there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Tracy, what's the good news? What's the what's the solution for what's the antidote for these four horsemen? What's the solution for couples who are like, man, that is describing to a T what our relationship is like. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it first starts with just recognizing that fundamental attribution error, right? That I recognize like, okay, we're, we're having an argument. How can I give you the benefit of the doubt right now? How can I not start ascribing terrible things about your character or focusing only on the negative things about you? How can I see a more positive or gracious light? But then I think the anecdote really, the it really is about just having good communication that you're able to say, you know, I'm feeling this way because I'm feeling this way and here's why. And having a conversation like just basic good communication skills that instead of just getting critical, instead of showing contempt and then the other person getting defensive, that you're just able to say, like, listen, I want to give you the benefit of the doubt. I hope you give me the benefit of the doubt. But here's why I'm upset. This is how I'm feeling. And here's why. That's what's going to open up then an opportunity for a conversation where both people are listening to one another and caring what the other person's saying, rather than feeling like they have to be on the defensive because there's a character assassination going on and, and, you know, motives being applied to your actions that you're not even intending. Yeah. Now some of you couples might be out there right now saying, okay, that just sounds really cheesy, really mm -hmm. corny to think that you would be like, what I hear you saying is, or I feel this because, Mm -hmm. And this is something we've talked about in our marriage basics for, for years now. We talk about how important love is, how important trust is, and then how important communication is. So this is a skill that a lot of couples probably don't have. And so I, you know, I'll just say as someone who didn't have that skill either before I entered marriage, um, it works. It's so worth, worthwhile to sort of step into a relational and marital conflict with courage and clarity and vulnerability, right? To yep. do, do what you're saying, Tracy, to, to just say, Hey, here's how I feel, right? I feel like, I feel like this and because of this, but you're not, you're not trying to point fingers when you're doing that. You're not saying, right. I feel like you're a jerk right. because you said this, you, you, you're, you're identifying how you feel, right? The anxiety that's coming up or the frustration or whatever word, but you're trying to do it without assigning blame to the other person. That's right. And then I think, and then I think once you hear each other on why you're feeling what you're feeling and you've extended the benefit of the doubt enough to give your spouse room to do that, then you can say, so how do we fix this? What are the solutions? What do we hope to get out of this conversation? Because I think that's for a lot of couples. If you go into a conversation recognizing the goal is to come out of it understanding each other and having a plan of action to avoid it from happening again or avoid whatever you did that hurt your spouse's feelings. Like you come out of it with some solutions, then it's worth the struggle because I know, I know it can be hard to choose the skill, right? It's a skill. It's not something that some of us are born with and some of us aren't. Communication is a skill you can learn and can deploy in the right situations. And then so if we want to have a healthy marriage, what we have to be able to say is even on the simple thing of giving the benefit of the doubt can either set us up for success or failure. And then once we're in that conversation to talk clearly, to use I feel statements, listen to one another, and then get to solutions, we'll find that it's worth it's worth the struggle because you're growing out of it. Yeah, that's good. Thank you, Tracy, for giving your wisdom on this topic. So couples, there's your topic for tonight. Give your spouse the benefit of the doubt. You probably do it for people at work. Um, you probably do it for people in the neighborhood, but maybe you've stopped doing it for your spouse for whatever reason. So work on that. Use those talking points, discussion questions below. There's another video down below if you want to watch the original video for this particular topic. 
And, and then one of the things I wanna challenge you to do or encourage you to do is if you're watching on Facebook or on YouTube, in the comment section tonight, we would love to hear what topics you would love for us to cover in our upcoming date nights. We're probably gonna do some more double dates. Uh, we're gonna do some more of this kind of stuff. We're gonna to continue to cover date or cover topics on Thursday nights to help you sort of leverage this, uh, this whole shutdown right now with, with everything and the coronavirus. Leverage it to strengthen your marriage. So Tracy and I will be back here next Thursday night. We hope to see you back for our date night next week as well. Have fun with this topic. See you next week.